Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the only podcast that spends its LTIR money on a rad jet ski and is suddenly very nervous. It's definitely out of warranty. I don't know what we're going to do. Taylor, hello. Happy. Happy to see you today. Hey. We're here, and there's a hockey to talk about. There's hockey. Of course, uh, preseason hockey, the best kind of hockey, and and we're recording Wednesday night, the day after Dallas banished the ghosts of that Game 7 with a victory over the St. Louis Blues, and things are looking up, I would say. Um, you know, obviously somewhat facetiously, facetiously, sorry, the results, as we firmly established over the course of this uh, preseason, don't matter as much. But I, I will say, I think it's been more good than bad over the last couple of days. I think that's that's a fair assessment of where we sit. I mean, yeah, definitely more good. I mean, anytime you get a win is nice. Um, and get the, the team dub. Won't go, the team won't go winless in the preseason. So that's a plus. And also we haven't seen overtime in the last couple of games so like whoa (laughs) maybe don't talk too loudly about that because it absolutely means that tomorrow on thursday depending on when you're listening to this uh probably have uh are still going in a you know multi-round shootout that never seems to end because that's my (laughs) kind of luck so like we're just gonna go ahead and assume it went like 12 rounds the the positive is if the shootout has gone 12 rounds the dallas stars haven't lost yet well that's true I mean, I'm just trying to find I'm, I'm bright side guy tonight is apparently the role I'm going to play. So um, we have that going for us. And, and you know, there are some storylines. There are some things that are legitimately interesting, even at this stage in the preseason beyond just like, hey, guys are still upright and, and physically looking fit. A um, couple of areas I want to hit. The first being last night, uh, Dallas, of course, secured a three to one victory over the St. Louis Blues. And in line with, you know, as he said, right, a bonus has been letting a single goaltender start and finish each of the preseason games. And, and last night, that was free agent acquisition, Braden Holtby, who was able to secure a 27 save victory and continues a trend of honestly looking, looking pretty good, pretty good over the course of, of this preseason so far. And Taylor, do you think we'll start with the the fun question and get into the specifics? Do you think that his play has clarified the situation in the Dallas crease as we approach the start of the regular season? I don't know if it's so much his play that's clarified things as the play of Jake Ardinger and Anton Kadobin has not really <laughs> oh, helped clear things up. I mean, catching I some stray. <laughs> He's just, just a friendly otter, Taylor. Coming out and firing today. Um, yeah, no, I just, I, I don't know. It's so tough for me to evaluate. And, and this is when I'm really glad that I just get to sit in the press box and espouse whatever I choose to say from there um, and don't have to actually make decisions. Um, it's really fascinating in the sense that Braden Holby has played five periods of preseason hockey, and all five of those periods came against the St. Louis Blues. And he's got I, their number, clearly. <laughs> and like, I think we all know that the Blues play a certain style. It's a kind of low scoring affair. They tend to be more defensively structured, um, and they're not really known as like a high flying offense, which in some ways can make your goaltending look better than maybe it is. But 
in getting to see Holtby play a full game at the American Airlines Center on Wednesday, I can say that he did come up with some really good saves and not the kind where, you know, you're scrambling and you get lucky and your toe, you know, just gets the tip of the puck and, and shoots it away. It, it was like sound body positioning and tracking of the puck to be able to put yourself mm-hmm. um, exactly where the shooter was going to try to hit the rebound. So in a lot of ways, um, especially when the stars kind of uh, fell apart in the second period and started taking a bunch of penalties um, and there was a little parade to the box, um, he came up huge in, in a lot of ways. But he also did get a little bit of help from the post, which is he the did. greatest sound ever. When well, you listen, <laughs> any, any goalie will tell you the only reason that puck's hitting the post is because he knew it wasn't going in. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, two of those, and he even said after the game, if those go in, you're looking at a very different game. But you know, at the same time, like hockey is all a lot of skill, a lot of structure, a lot of system, and then a little bit of luck too. So I mean, you can't fault him for that. No, certainly not. And then the other thing you have to take into account in his his play is, you know, one of the other trends in the preseason is you get, let's just call them variable rosters, right? But in the game against St. Louis, you know, just skimming the ice time, you know, Braden Shen, 18 minutes, Rob Thomas, you know, in between singing his songs, giving people shoes, 19 minutes, Brandon Saad, 20 minutes. Like he played against the the all, you know, the the capital B blues. And their big guns got the the minutes that they would get if this game mattered. So, you know, yes, you have to grade on a curve for the preseason. And yes, you have to factor in that for the most part, guys, especially veterans, especially people that are already on rosters, are approaching this far more from the perspective of how do I get my body and my game right for when all of this matters. Like that, those are very true statements. But at the same time, much like you're saying, you know, if those pucks hit the post, well, those pucks didn't hit the post, right? He's playing against what was largely an A team playing 18 minutes. And all you can really do is look at what happened on the ice. And, and you know, last night and thus far this preseason, those results have been encouraging, right? He's played well. He's made saves. He's kept his team in games and he's he's gotten wins and you know, all all he can really do is that. And as you pointed out at the start of this this conversation, you can look at the play of Ottinger and you can look at the play of Hudobin, and they're not doing that. And at some point, even if the games themselves maybe don't matter, like individually, the trend line does. And the more this happens, right, it's got, what, about another week to go. There's some pretty... You know, if, if if tomorrow night, right, if tomorrow night's game was the season opener instead of a preseason game, do you, do you think that Rick Bonus would be reluctant or, or, you know, unwilling to put Holtby in the pipe? I don't think he would be reluctant at all because I think he would, if he puts him in there, he's expecting whoever is in the net to go out and give his team the best chance to win that night. So... I wouldn't say he'd be reluctant. Um, I also just think that looking at the roster and, you know, performance and, yeah, I mean, like, and and this is where I'm glad I don't have to make the decision because you could argue that Braden Holtby, at least in his full game, um, had the benefit of 
a pretty NHL quality roster in front of him in terms of the Dallas Stars. Um, you know, he had John Klingberg in front of him. He had Ben Sagan, Radulov, you know, a lot of those guys that are going to be on the roster on opening night. Um, whereas Ottinger and Kudobin have had varying degrees of that. And I wouldn't necessarily say they've had the best NHL quality. Like, Braden yeah. Holtby probably had the best quality roster in front of him and then was helped by the fact that you're playing the low-scoring Blues. So how do you assess, like, his his night where he's faced, like, 28 shots versus, you know, Ottinger, who may have faced more against the Florida Panthers. And the Florida yeah. Panthers are a lot more high-flying of a team and a lot more aggressive on their offense. And, you know, so, like, I'm glad I don't have to make the choice, but, you know, objectively... I right now, if the season started tomorrow, I think Holtby would probably be my starter until he wasn't anymore. That makes yeah, sense. and and you know the the question that I have, and maybe you've got some more insight on this, is you know the thing that we're not seeing is whether or not the play on the ice mirrors what's happening during practice and line rushes, and what Mike Valley is seeing as he works with the you know works with the trio and and kind of tries to get all this in line. So that's that's the big piece because you know as we pointed that that matters more than what happened last night, but um, you know that's that's the piece that I think you know would really provide a little bit more clarity is you know day in and day out when the team's going through drills and, and getting systems in place and all that which goaltender is is performing the best in those situations well I think I would take Jeff Reese's opinion over Mike Valley's yeah Mike Valley doesn't work for the organization yeah. anymore just saying <laughs> Oh, dear. Much like the Dallas Stars and the St. Louis Blues felt a little 2016 last night, I guess. Yeah, that reference is Pulling that into the into Holy the, uh, smokes. Into the podcast. <laughs> hey, man. We're, it's still preseason. We're all shaking off the rust. Um, <laughs> Shake off the rust. Uh, I did, to, to, save my bl- to save my blushes, I did have one question. Um, and, and just to, to pre-prepare the rile-up train for the Dallas Stars, if I were to ask you, Taylor... Which stars forward had the most ice time against the St. Louis Blues? And if you're looking, then shame on you. Who who would that be? Oh man, I should know this because I was in the building. Um, I will give you a hint. It's not an answer that Dallas Stars fans are going to be not riled up by. It was Blake Coma, wasn't it? <laughs> oh man, I wish that's that that would have been a better answer, but close, close. It was right, Radic Foxen. Radic Fox have played 19 minutes and 57 seconds in that game, including... Well, part of that's going to be driven by the fact that the Stars took a lot of penalties. Um, they that's, took four. That's and true. one of them was a five-on-three. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you another question, Taylor, and, and you'll probably get the answer because of why I'm asking. <sighs> did Radic Fox have play more on the power play or more on the penalty kill last night? Oh, he played more on the power play because he was like the center of the second unit. <laughs> That's exactly right. And it was admittedly it was close, 304 to 302. But um, you know, that's that's the sort of thing. There's there is a certain vocal segment of Stars fandom that if, you know, sure the preseason doesn't necessarily matter as much, but if you were to show them the score sheet from a game in the middle of November, let's say, and Radic Foxa was leading the team in both total ice time and was second in power play ice time, 
I think, sorry, he was third. Apologies on, in terms of forward. Sagan and Peterson played more than him on the power play. But regardless to say, Fratic Fox is putting out that kind of ice time in the middle of November. We're probably seeing terribly wrong. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it's um, it's interesting uh, to see him that involved. I guess it means the wrist is feeling pretty good, and Dallas won. So hey, I guess that means that he, you know, did did what was expected of him, but. For a, a fandom that's let's say been burned by some some interesting roster usage decisions in the past, that's certainly not going to allay any fears as we head into the the new season. You know, it's so fascinating um, when you think about ice time, and this is a disconnect between Stars fans and the coaching staff. Um, the coaching staff actually looks more at the number of ships that each forward plays. Yeah. Not I remember so we got much. that talk back when, yeah. when uh, Guryanov was struggling for time. But I think it's worth repeating. Yeah, so they so they look at that at the number of shifts, not ice time, because, and this is especially true if you watch a guy like Alexander Radulov. Radulov freaking loves to go out there and extend his shift. Um, so Radulov plays like a dude in a rec league that knows yeah. that if he gets to the bench, he's going to have to wait three minutes and he might he, as well just stay out. He was like out there blocking shots in a preseason game. I mean, the dude has like one level. That's it. It, it is like 110%. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, if he didn't play hard, it would be indefensible, but you know, you sort of have to be, you have to be the effort guy to get away with that crap. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, but yeah, so, but, and, and I think, you know, to Bonus's point, and I think it makes sense to a degree, um, if you have guys that are consistent about extending their shift, you know, a five seconds longer than your line mates doesn't seem like a lot in an isolated shift, but over the course of a game in which you take 15, 20 shifts, <laughs> that adds up a lot. Um, and so that's one thing that I would, I would just caveat, like, you do have to kind of pay attention to number of shifts. You do. It's more relevant and blah, blah, and blah. I, but I don't disagree with that, but you can quibble with me on number of shifts all you want, but Radic Fox are playing five more minutes than Jason Robertson and six more minutes than Denis Gurionov and four more minutes than Alexander Radulov, right? Those are not, you know, yeah, with, with Sagan at 18, 14, you can, you can, I agree with you, right? That's, that's a shift here. That's a shift there. But like, again, Jason Robertson, five minutes less than Radic Foxa, that is not a recipe for, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not harping on this one particular game because it's the preseason and who knows what the coaching staff was trying to look at. But again, in a theoretical where we see this, again, the team has done this before in games that do matter. And in my opinion, right, that makes, it makes me a little bit nervous to see that because there are players that should be on the ice more that aren't. And they've done that before outside of games that don't matter. I don't disagree. The only but I would I would offer to that, if it were, um, is maybe it wasn't so much about ramping up his minutes as it was managing the top yep. guys' minutes. You know? Fair. Totally Jason fair. Robertson, like, yeah, would you love to see him get 25 minutes in a game that doesn't matter? Sure. Like, great experience, whatever. But that's also 25 minutes in which he could get majorly hurt. Yep. 
And if his and to your point, if his game's right, if you're you know Rick Bonus, you've got a week to go, and if you're looking at especially knowing how last season turned out in terms of injuries and effort, right? You're looking down the roster and you're kind of checking those boxes and saying, okay, who's ready for the season? Who still needs work? You're right. There's a million different reasons why in this particular game and in the preseason, it doesn't matter, right? Okay. Robertson looks good. He's ready to go. So we're just going to go into some, you know, we're going to keep him warm, but we're going to go into some, you know, some control, right? Other same with other players. Again, it's, it's just the historical trend. Right. It, it's it's a it's a red flag. Right. When we sat down this, you know, many months ago doing some of these over the summer podcasts, I remember talking to I think it was Mark, but we were talking about things to worry about as stars fans. And one of the biggest things that kept coming up was that even if the team gets healthy and has the right players, if they don't use those players correctly, it may not matter. And so, again, the, the only reason this registers and the only reason this was interesting to me is this is a problem the team has had in under this staff and it's it raised an eyebrow for me i mean there's a lot of things under the staff that have raised a lot of eyebrows in, <laughs> in the preseason i mean like seriously when you think about it um the fact that the team continues to commit really terrible penalties the fact that the team you know tends to kind of fall off in the third period the fact third that period the turtle baby hasn't figured Maple. out how to play a full 60 minutes like come on yeah, we're going to start calling them Maple and Honey, and it's going to be Maple is turtling when you're down a goal, and Honey is going to be turtling when you're up a goal. <laughs> I mean, it's the Dallas Stars are a versatile team. They can turtle in any circumstances at any time. You know, you don't you don't expect it, and all of a sudden, boom, turtle time. But again, we're we're trying to keep this positive. Okay, so we're mad about ice time. That's fine. There are a couple of interesting points. We we talked a little bit about Holt Holtby, you know, really pushing for time in the net and. To me, two of the name, the other names that jump out on the roster as I look at this late stage in the preseason, it's kind of interesting to see um, Maverick Bork and Jake Peterson still in the lineup with this team. Yeah, and each of them brings something a little bit different. Um, I think what you like about Maverick Bork's game is how creative he can be out on the ice. And it's not so much that He's been creative in the sense of scoring goals, but he has been creating offense, which is, you know, a nuance and I get it, but, um, you know, he's made those around him better and given them better looks. And so I think that's something that, you know, well, really that's interesting. It's interesting and it's it's a need for this roster, right? Dallas, even Dallas's elite offensive players have have sometimes skewed more towards the finisher executor portion of the offense versus the guy that's creating in the first place. It's why we talk about John Klingberg having such inordinate value. And um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Having a guy like, like Bork that not just contributes, but, but contributes, let's call it earlier in the opportunity. That's really interesting to this team because as we talk about roles and where people slot in, there aren't, there aren't a ton of guys that, that do what he does in this roster. And that's probably part of why he's hanging around. It probably is. And honestly, you know, it would, it would surprise me if the stars barring an injury, at least let me just put that out there. Um, but I would be surprised if they kept him on the roster for opening night. Now he is 19 years old. Um, which means it's NHL or bust. He either yeah. has to play in the NHL or he has to go back to his junior team. But the Stars could, if they so chose to, 
carry an extra forward and maybe not an extra defenseman. No, no, I don't. I think by rule, the Dallas Stars aren't allowed to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But if they wanted to and they could make space for it, um, they could keep Bork up for up to the first nine games um, before having to make the decision of burning his first year of an ELC or send him back to his junior team. So I would imagine that his contract status more than anything could yeah, I think you're right. Him going back to juniors, but the fact that he's had an extended look, you know, gives a lot of confidence to him as he heads back to juniors, um, you know, and a big season for him because, you know, probably starting next season, I would have to look at the cutoff of the dates because it's weird and Canadian juniors is very strange and they got a lot of rules, but I believe he'll probably age out after this year. He'll be 20 um, next season, which means he'd be eligible to go and play in the AHL or make the NHL roster. So you like to give him that confidence to have a big year this year and make a lot of strides um, and, you know, force the issue next season. Well, and I think Especially, as well, you talk, you hear about players, you know, the difference at the NHL level versus even even the high junior level. And if you're the stars and you're high on this kid, there's there's probably if you think he's, you know, within a year or close, there's probably a value in giving him more training camp reps with the big kids than having him go home early. Yeah, and he even said himself after the game on Wednesday that, you know, when the when the veterans got to tr- to main training camp, it was like a switch flipped on for him and he had a lot more confidence, um, which I found a lot really interesting because I think a lot of young guys would be more likely to be intimidated than yep. to be confident around, you know, uh, playing out on a line with the likes of Tyler Sagan or Jamie Benn, who've been in the league and have, you know, been around the block a few times and know what it's like to play there. So, um, you know, that's really interesting. So, and, and, yeah, his playmaking ability is is probably a, the most fascinating aspect in what could be his dark horse to making the NHL roster. Yeah, and, and I think dark horse is the right word. He would have to do something fairly phenomenal, but I think he does have a path due to the uniqueness of how he contributes relative to the rest of the Stars' NHL-level roster. More interestingly, right, in a slightly different case when we talk about Jacob Peterson, of course, he's a couple of years older, he's 22, and he has been playing in, um, you know, in, in a higher level league, albeit on a larger sheet in Europe. And so from a, you know, you talked about how with Maverick, it's NHL or bust, not quite the same with Peterson, right? He'll be, he'll be in the AHL if he doesn't make the NHL team. But again, not only has he stuck around, but he has been largely paired with the NHL guys as the team has continued through drills and continued through training camp. So he's another one where it seems like the stars are really seriously taking a look at him and what role he might play with this team. And they should. I mean, when you really, when you realistically start to pencil out the NHL roster, um, you know, one of the things that constantly gets brought up about um, contenders is the depth. And I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning have three scoring lines that they mm-hmm. can throw at you. And so if you can find a guy to come in and have some instant chemistry, which he seems to have right now um, with, um, I believe he played on a line with Sagan and Radulov for a little bit. And then that's a, that's a, a sweet with, gig. <laughs> with Ben, um, you know, if you can find like a way to unlock some veteran players offense by putting a guy like, 
like Peterson on his line, I I think it's something that you absolutely have to look at. It um, is, and with oh, sorry, please. No, I was gonna say because I mean, would you rather give teams two or three line staff to choose from? Like, pick your poison. Which would you I mean, rather? And that's teams? that's the modern NHL, right? You're no longer in a league where two lines attack and two lines defend, and never the two shall meet, right? The other th- interesting thing to me about Peterson is. When we're talking about Bork, right, age is an issue. He is a smaller player. Peterson is listed at 6'1", 180 pounds, right? So, no, he's not um, you know, He's not Tom Wilson out there. But, again, at, at 22 and at that size, he's not, he's not size limited either. So he is a player that, you know, if he can get his performance where he needs it, you can look at that and say there really isn't a physical maturity gap either. So, to me, that makes him, you know – what what really jumps out to me, what what he feels like, and this is this is a pie in the sky projection. I'm not saying he has the same ceiling. I'd need to ask, you know, Derek or Mark. They've got a finger on the pulse there. But it, it reminds me a lot of how the Dallas Stars used used Heinz those first couple of years, right? Where he would he was primarily an AHL you know, mainstay, right? Scoring forward top six option. But whenever the team in in Dallas needed a jolt, right? He was the first guy on the bus up 35. And it, it feels like that may be the spot that they're kind of grooming Peterson for. And like, yeah, because of, right, if, if everything else works out like they want it to, then there probably isn't a spot for him in the position they want him to play. And he'll probably go to Cedar Park and see if he can help the Texas Stars and, and see if he can get those, you know, get acclimated to, to North American rinks and blah, 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 right? But what seems like they're doing is looking at him and saying, okay, well, if, if somebody tails off, if somebody gets hurt, if all of a sudden we have a hole to fill, we're going to need a guy to call up and – you know, he, he feels pretty firmly in that mix right now. For sure. You know, and at the same time, I think that the, t- the trick will be if you can really get truth, truly three scoring lines to, that you can roll with um, and you can get in quality minutes um, in a more offensive style and, and, and like those offensive minutes. If you can't, you would rather have him playing top line minutes down in down in Austin or down in Cedar Park. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he bounces back and forth this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, man, he has really impressed. He's they like impressed it. me. He's impressed me during drills. Like he's he, he hasn't seemed to miss a beat with the fact that you know on smaller on a smaller sheet of ice you your angles are different um and so some guys takes a little bit to adjust he he's been like oh okay like i'll just do this instead there was a quote by bonus that really stood out to me and and i'm gonna paraphrase right so please don't uh don't don't hold me to the exact language but he was talking about the arizona game and he was talking about how he felt like i think it was between the first and the second period but at one point they thought their four check was out of whack and they needed to adjust they went into the room and they needed to put it up on the board and fix a couple of things and bonus had a quote about peterson talking about how he just he got it and he was one of the he was one of the guys where they you know in the middle of a game in intermission they made a they made a tactical adjustment and then when they got out on the ice the next period peterson had picked it up already and he just talked about how one of the most impressive things about him was again exactly what you're talking about that he he has clearly you know this this isn't a kid that has been playing against other kids this is a you know a young man that has been in a professional league and the coaching staff i think is really liking having that um you know, having that, and this is a team that does skew older, right? So having a pair of, having a pair of, of, you know, fresh young legs that can play in the top six if necessary. And, you know, 
take care of some some defensive responsibilities is you know looking at this roster right that's a luxury Dallas is probably going to need this season and you know good on good on Peterson for staking an early claim there for sure yeah it's really fascinating I can't wait to see how the the lines ultimately end up shaking out yeah and that's that's I think where we'll we'll go ahead and and put this put this podcast into the barn and talking a little bit about those lines and you know you you've seen the practices you've watched the games as well right in in your opinion what do you think the you know if, if you've got you know actual names that's fine but what do you think the philosophy how, how is dallas appearing to to be shaping themselves heading into the season mm-hmm. um besides making sure that como and fox will lead the team in time on ice Okay, can can I just say something about about the fact that you got okay? You said Como. This triggered me. Um, in the game on Wednesday, and I know unless you were in the building, you you're probably never gonna see this play like ever. But I swear, they better be using this during film sessions because the Dallas John Klingberg had committed a penalty, um, and was no. in the box. And um, when's the last time you actually saw the Stars spring a guy out of the box for, like, an instant scoring chance? It's been a minute. They don't do it often. They're often pinned in their own zone. Well, they um, often get to take the face off at center ice after a penalty. Also, there's that. Um, so, so, yeah, so they, they actually did. Um, they were able to get the puck loose and get it to Klingberg, and he took it in the middle of the neutral zone and went skating in towards... Jordan Bennington from St. Louis, and I'm sitting there going, oh, he's about to just, you know, just roof it over Bennington, you know, just take a nice hard wrist shot on him. And then he, like, slowed down and waited for the trailing forward, and the trailing forward was Blake Como. And it's like, <laughs> That seems like a very Klingberg <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> I don't know if it's just like, like, look, nobody makes it to the NHL level without being able to actually like score better yeah. than probably 95% of hockey players on this earth. And so I really don't mean this to be like super disparaging of Blake Como, but my thought is if I'm Klingberg, which <laughs> it's kind of funny to think about putting myself in an NHL in in I mean, version, you, you do both have fabulous hair. I mean, you've probably got more of your original teeth, but that's more vocational than anything else. Also true. Um, yeah, so, but if I'm John Klingberg and I've got Tyler Sagan as my trailing forward, then hell yeah, I'm going to skate in on Bennington and then slow it down and then hit, you know, hit him right on the tape for a pass, you know, to the slot area that Bennington won't see coming because he's going to anticipate that me being right there on top of him, you know, is yep. is going to shoot. Um, but if it's Blake Como, I'm taking the shot. Yeah, like, I, I'm I, taking the, the shot first. <laughs> yeah, you, you are you are speaking to the existential crisis of Stars fandom. There is there is no better way to describe the trauma this team has has put its fans through over the past two ish seasons than John Klingberg spurning a good shooting chance <laughs> to set up Blake Como. Like that's that's why we hurt. Like 
I mean, just like conceptually, I get what he was trying to do. He was trying yep. to change the direction of the attack. And that's exactly how you score goals because the goaltenders in the NHL are just too good. Like they're all so good at what they do. And so you have the to find... are too big and the nets are too small, but that's not uh that's not what we're gonna talk that's about a tonight. Conversation of a different day. But what I'm saying is, is like, you know, I, so I get it. I understand what you're trying to do, but the execution from a personnel standpoint maybe wasn't there. Anyway, that's my aside. I'm done. I will get off my high horse, but next time, please don't do that. Um. <laughs> it does seem, you know, to me, kind of veering back, right? So one of the th- another thing that stood out talking to Rick Bonus is so far he seems to be what he the way he's framing it is he's not thinking about total line combinations. So far he's thinking about duos, and you know, each his approach to each line seems to be two fixed players and a flex. Right. And so he's talked a lot about Sagan and Radulov. He's talked about Ben and Gurionov. And he's talked a lot about, um, I believe it was Henson Robertson on the other line. And he's kind of talked about how he wants to develop relatively consistent duos and then use that third slot to change the tempo, change the character, change the look of a line um, at a time. And that, that has, I think this was after, this may have been after the Arizona game. It was after one of the games, she's kind of talking about the way the lines come together, which I, I am not educated across the league enough to know if that's a common practice, but it seemed it, you know, passed the sniff test for me. It seemed interesting. Is that, you know, does that mirror kind of what you've seen and heard? Yeah. There we go. All right, then. Fair enough. I'm not going to expound on that further. <laughs> for, for the olds like me, dynamite drop-in, Monty. Broadcast school's really paid off. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted by a bumblebee. <laughs> As, no. as you do but so That's you know it. it seems like those are his pairs and and also seems right now to your point about having three scoring lines if if you're telling me that you know heinz robertson ben and um radulov and then or sorry ben uh, sagan and radulov then ben gurionov if you're telling me those are three of your foundational duos then it is encouraging in the sense of that gives you three scoring lines right if that's how you're approaching things then you're approaching things from the perspective of you expect three lines to be able to generate offense which is nice yeah i mean Look, there's there's a lot of things to take away from the preseason to be excited about. There's plenty of things that you can also break down and be like, oh, my God, this this is the worst. And, you know, it's just continuations of bad habits of seasons past, you know. But at the end of the day, I think two things are going to hold true this season. One, line combinations are never going to matter because at the end of the day, every team is going to hit stretches where you're going to have injuries and you need guys to be able to play with anybody else on that roster. You need to have at least some semblance of chemistry when your entire game plan goes to shit. So or when it's, when it's an away game and the other team has the last change and another good NHL coach has decided that you're just not going to get one of the matchups that you want. Right. So you need to be able to have that flexibility to be able to do something different or put different looks out there. So, you know, and and this isn't unique to the stars. This is every team. I mean, certainly the good ones (laughs) outside of a couple that I can think of, you know, roughly like Tampa didn't seem to do a ton of juggling, but they also put Kucherov into, you know, Robita Island for the season. So it's like a whole nother thing, (laughs) but like, but, you know, like, and Colorado seems to be fairly consistent, at least with their top guys. But 
they've been really lucky in a lot of ways in terms of the, you know, injuries to big guys. So I don't know. I get lucky in the bubble, Taylor. Well, (laughs) sorry. Neither did the Stars. So, you know, the Stars got luckier than Colorado did. Sure. It's all about relativity here. Um, but yeah, so so that's one thing that's going to hold true. Like, the lines are just never going to be consistent, and I think mm-hmm. everybody needs to become okay with that. Um, and honestly, like, from the player's perspective, they don't seem to mind. They're just like, oh, I just go out there and play with whoever I'm out there on the ice with, and they're just happy to be here. Um, you know, and then the second thing is, you're never going to always get the matchups that you want. So, you, like you were saying, you you are going to have to make in-game adjustments, and there are going to be times where, you know, bonus is going to throw out Ben Sagan and Radulov and hope that the supernova line can re-click, and they have some, you know, years past that they can kind of draw on. Um, and they know what each one of, you know, the others does, but you do have a bunch of new guys you got to work in. So, well, it's, you know, at the, at the, at the margins that you play in at the NHL level, right. The difference between winning and losing could be finding that one impromptu line combination that somehow the other team isn't prepared for and break, you know, that, that one night when, you know, Gurionov is playing a certain way and it, it melds with what Pavelski, you know, like the, the ability to throw the right combo at the right time is pretty much how a lot of these games are, are pivoting these days. And so it's sort of like, and since I made a reference for the olds, I'll make one for the youngs. Uh, it's it's like your pokey deck, right? And having more combinations, having more cards gives you the ability to throw that one look that does, you know, that does succeed versus when you have fewer options and you don't have that, that same ability, you kind of, you're stuck reacting unless you have the ability to dictate. And I think that's, that's what they're trying for. That's, that's certainly what they want to do. And, and so long as health holds up, right, that'll be something that is very different about this year's stars team versus, you know, last year and even the year before where they, they may actually have the ability to do that. I just can't get over the fact that your reference for the young Pokemon. I'm very old. I was about to say, how old are you? I mean, my, my six-year-old comes home with Pokemon cards. That's a that's a normal thing. We battle. I've learned. Haven't you figured out that a lot of things from the '90s are popular again? Life is time. What is the what is the pandemic taught us? Right, time is a flat circle. What is time anyway? Uh, Indeed, yeah. but it's 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 interesting. It's good. Again, more good than bad. A couple more preseason games to go, and you know. Pretty yeah. much the next time we podcast will be the season preview, I think. Yeah, we've got the Stars have a pair of preseason games against Colorado Avalanche. So pretty good, um, pretty good measuring stick here to see how the team's shaping up against a pretty stacked Colorado team. Um, you know, both teams will be getting down to the end of their preseason schedules. So you're likely to see a lot more NHL quality yeah. roster decisions in those preseason games so i think there's going to be a lot to uh draw from so uh first one is on thursday and then um they play again on saturday and then the team has a little less than a week off uh before they open their season on the road against boston so we'll there we go in terms a lot of, of the net at some point in the next week it should be. Yeah, this this next week is going to be transformational. Hopefully, by the time we sit down to do next week's podcast, we'll be able to start speaking in some absolutes. But as always, Taylor, thank you for joining us. KT, thank you for pulling it all together. And um, 
yeah hit us up with questions hit, get those likes get those downloads we're we're big time now we got to live up to that um, ned's needle rama sponsorship deal so thanks again and we'll talk soon <laughs>